for Elim Youth Series for God project um, across the UK, nationally. <laughs> that seems very big to us here in Guernsey. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's fantastic. So um, can you give him a big round of applause to show him how you can clap as Guernsey guys and girls? Thank you, thank you. So, Guernsey, what a beautiful place you live in. Do you love it? Yeah. Do you know, wherever I go across the country, when people... I've lived somewhere and I think it's beautiful. I've just arrived. Wherever it is I go and I say to people who have lived there all their life, is this a great place to live? They all go, well, it's the same wherever you go. But I've got something I want to share with you today. Because you know the theme of this day is about going. And there's something that you and I do every single day before we go. Um, the sound guy might be a little bit convicted by this because I'm going to talk in the first instance about waking up. He was asleep actually under that desk. Can you believe it? Snoring. People thought there was a noise in the speakers, but it was his snoring. But you and I, every, every day, before we can go and do anything, we wake up. And there's some really exciting things to wake up for right now. There's some really, really good stuff taking place. But are you like this? Do you find it hard going to sleep in the night and hard waking up in the morning? I've got three kids. My youngest, seven-year-old, I put them all to bed the other night. And, I, and about an hour later, I'm upstairs. And I just noticed this little flicker of a light in his room. And so I I go into his room and I stand next to his bed and the light isn't there. And all I can hear is my seven-year-old. And I just stood dead still. Because I was sure that just a few seconds ago I'd seen a light in his room. So I thought, I'm just going to stay here. just kept standing I thought if I'm really quiet and then I just saw him open one eye to see if I was still there and I said I have got you so rumbled mate I have sussed you out I lift his quilt up And there is his iPod touch that he's been playing on. And he was just making all the snoring up. He wasn't really sleeping. And I said, come on, Joe, you've got school tomorrow. You really need to get to bed. And for years, I've been running youth camps. In a couple of weeks' time, we've got a big event called The Gathering. Anybody been to The Gathering? Yes, some of you came across last year, I know, and had a massive journey to get there. But the gathering, we sleep a couple of thousand young people on church floors around the area of the event. When I say sleep them, we give them a spot on the church floor. Because as a youth leader, I know that there are times you've got maybe a room with a hundred people. Or this summer we did a youth camp and there were loads and loads of young people. 
and tent walls are not very thick, are they? And you can hear everything. Be careful what you talk about in a tent because the leaders can hear everything you're saying. But there are times when you just think everybody's settled down and everybody is sleeping and then someone will begin to make a noise or someone will break wind and everyone else will laugh and suddenly everybody's wide awake again. And that's the night. It's just, come on, guys, just go to sleep. Just, you need the rest. You need to recuperate. You need to be fresh for tomorrow. If you don't go to sleep, you're going to be shattered. But the morning, that's a completely different story. Because the leaders are not going around saying, listen, just sleep. No, in the morning, the leaders are going, get up. Wake up, come on, it's morning. And so I go into my son's bedroom who I'd been the night before and seen him on his iPod refusing to go to sleep. And I'm in the next morning Go, come on, Joe, it's school. You've got to get up. And he's going, oh, I don't want to get up. And I know how he feels. My alarm, I use an alarm clock right next to my bed. And it goes off six in the morning. And... Do you know when my alarm clock goes off in the morning? This is really clever, but I know how to stretch my arm out with my eyes closed. And just at a certain spot of my alarm clock, there's a button. And this button, even the word written over the top of it, sounds a nice, relaxing word. It's the word snooze. Have you got snooze on yours? Snooze, it means that I'm not saying no. So I go to bed the night before and I talk to my alarm clock and I say, I need you to wake me up at six in the morning. I've got a busy day. I've got lots to do. Don't let me down. And the alarm clock says, yes, yes, I'll do what you say. So I go to sleep safe in the knowledge that my alarm clock will wake me up. And then six o'clock in the morning, beep, 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 beep. And I just stretch out and I don't say no. I don't say I don't want to get up. I just say, not yet. Just nine more minutes. Who, who invented nine minutes in a snooze button? It does, it does my head in all the maths. I'm lying in bed thinking, how many nines can I get away with? It's been great for my nine times table. One nine is nine, two nine is eight, three is 27. 27 minutes, I can do it three times. Not, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not yet. And there's a few times in the Bible that we're told to wake up. Let me just read you a few verses in a book of Isaiah 52. And it says, wake up, wake up. It uses the word Jerusalem after. I'm going to put the word Guernsey in there. Wake up, wake up Guernsey. Come on, wake up. It says, be, become strong. Be beautiful again. This holy city of God. And it says, you once were a prisoner. Now shake off the dust and stand up. You once were a prisoner, but free yourself from the chains around your neck. Wake up. Wake up to what? What are we sleeping about? 
Today, some of my friends are involved in some really um, exciting things. There's loads of things going on right across the world, obviously, in any given day. But today, a guy that I know, he's booked Wembley Stadium. And there are 40,000 people right now in Wembley Stadium praying today. Praying that God would break into this country. God would break into the British Isles. God would break into the world. 40,000 people where they normally cheer in, come on England, and they're usually biting the nails of the penalties. Today, they're singing worship and praying in that stadium. And it was because a man woke up to hear the dream that God had placed on his life, a dream to gather the church, to pray to God for him to intervene in the nation. He woke up. So something God was saying. I've got another friend who today is leading a conference for an organization called Hope for Justice. About five years ago, he was, um, he was really a trained opera singer. And he was sitting in a church service and he heard about something called human trafficking. And he never really heard of it. It was like looking like it was like the modern slavery. And he thought, I can't believe this is going on. And suddenly, he woke up to something that he had no idea he was asleep to. And now, five years later, he's set up an organization that's rescuing people that have been trafficked in the UK. Last year, his organization rescued, or were responsible for rescuing, almost a fifth of all people who were rescued in the country. And he had no idea he was asleep. But God grabbed the hold of him and said, wake up, Ben. Wake up. And I wonder what you're asleep to. I sometimes take my students out into the open and I say to them, listen, just listen, what can you hear? And they just say, oh, I can hear you talking, I can hear, I can hear their stomach rumbling. Okay, right, what I want you to do now, I want for the next five minutes, I want you to switch your phones off, I want you to just walk around in the open air and I want you to see how many sounds you can hear. Come back five minutes later, what did you hear? They said, I can't believe how much more we hear than we did a few minutes ago. We could hear birds singing in the distance. We could hear an alarm going off in a house miles away. We could hear the motorway. We could hear all these things. Were they there five minutes ago? Yes, they were. Why didn't you hear them? Because we weren't listening for them. And what is it that God wants to say to you that right now, you might just be saying, ah, oh, I can't get up, I can't wake up. And God is wanting to grab you and say, there is something, there is a reason, there is a cause. Do you know this island of Guernsey is a great place. I just think it's a fantastic place to be. But God has a story and a plan for this island. And he calls you to be the middle of it. In a few weeks' time, we're doing a conference, and in the preface that I've written for the program, I tell a story. I say, imagine, so you guys right now, imagine your phone rings now, and you quickly walk out to answer it. And when you get outside, you say, hello? And they say, hello? Um, this is Steven Spielberg. You say, yeah, get away. What, the famous Hollywood producer? Yeah. Steven Spielberg. You say, what are you calling me for? So, well, I've got a proposition for you. So, what, what would you call me? I didn't even know that you knew who I was. Why are you calling me? And he says, well, it's like this. 
I have written the greatest story that I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, well, what's that to do with me? Well, I want you to play a starring role in that story. And you go, shut up. And he goes, serious. I want you in the story. And you run in here and you say, Steven Spielberg's just phoned me and asked me to be starring in the greatest story he has ever told. And your friends go, yeah, right. No one believes you. But you know, something even greater than that has happened. Because God has a story. It's the greatest story ever. And God has sought to get your attention by sending his son to this world. And to invite you to be a part of his story. God has a story for this island of Guernsey. God has a story that he calls you to be a key part of that story. The other night I did something very refined and very uncool. I went to the theatre. I took my wife, we had a date night, we've been married 20 years now. And we went for a date night to the theatre. My daughter, she's now 13, so we took her along. So it wasn't quite a date night. But uh, my wife and I still held hands and stuff, which was quite nice. And it was a really good theatre performance, and uh, it was well acted, it was doing a national tour, it's going to make its way to the West End soon. And one thing I knew that was happening, because there was this, this really good stage, really nice set that had been created for the performance. But if I'd walked in halfway through that story, I might have just at any moment just seen... Any, just the one thing that was on that stage at that one time. And I might have not understood what was going on. I was there from the beginning. So I didn't have that complication. I didn't get confused because I'd seen all of the performance. But if someone had come in at half time, they might have thought, I'm not sure what's taking place here. See, the story that God calls you is inviting you to participate in Guernsey is a story that's been going on for a while. In fact, this book, the Bible, talks about thousands of years of God living out his story in the world. And there are so many ways God has lived out and demonstrated past scenes of his story. And now he calls you to this stage, to this set to this moment, to this scene. But after you, there'll be others, all taken to the stage and playing a part in God's purposes and plans and story. But we need to wake up. We need to wake up and understand that there's so much going on. need to understand that there's such a big thing that God's up to. Sometimes we only see what's on the stage. We don't see the people running around behind the stage, frantically changing costumes, frantically trying to find props. But they're there. It's all calm and composed on the stage. But there are people running around like crazy. God's story. We only ever see a snippet, a shot of it, but there are all sorts of things that God is up to. 
God is up to something in this place of Guernsey. And God wants you to wake up. Wake up, wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up, wake up, Guernsey. There's wake up and then there's a next stage. Wake up is not enough. For me to go, I can't just wake up because just waking up just means I'm just lying there with my eyes open. I need to, as well as wake up, I need to get up. And when I get up, I've got some choices and decisions to make. Based on what I'm hoping to do that day, I choose what it is I'm going to wear. I've got some other things I need to do. I know some people in the game said so they didn't do it today, but my day usually starts with coffee and then a shower. And always in that order, because I can't function in the shower unless I have a coffee first to wake me up. And then, and then I choose what to get dressed. Do you know, my, for, for, for us to go, we need to wake up and then we need to just remember that every day when we wake up, that God's word, his story tells us that there's something fresh available for us each day. It's called mercy. It's called forgiveness. Every day, I need to stand in a shower before God and say, God, I've mucked up, thought wrong things, I've said some daft stuff. My attitude's been off. God, please forgive me. Just wash me, cleanse me. And his mercy is available every day for you for that. And you can't go unless you're washed and prepared. But also, depending on what I'm doing that day, depends on what I dress and wear. If I'm going to the gym first thing, I don't put my suit on. I put my shorts on and my running top and my trainers and I get to the gym. If I'm meeting some potential funders, I put a suit on. If I'm meeting a group of young people, I put a pair of jeans on. You know, depending on who I am going to see or what I'm going to do, depends what I wear. It's like a uniform. And it happens all the time. Those of you in school, you'll have different kits for sport, different kits for different activities that you're involved in. When the Manchester United or the Liverpool team or the Chelsea team make their way onto the pitch, they're not allowed to wear whatever they want to wear. Can you imagine if it was wear your own clothes day at Man United? And they just turned out, one of them walked out in a Chelsea kit. What are you doing? Oh, I just like them, I admire them. No, out. We dress according to what we're doing. And this, these verses, they say, shake the dust off. You see, dust is symbolic of hopelessness. It's like when there's no hope, you just, culturally, the Jews would just sprinkle dust on them and it would be, no, it's just mourning, it's hopeless. Uh, we, we need to be in a, a sort of a place of sacrifice. And God says, no. Put on strong, beautiful clothes. Guys, last night in the concert, fantastic band, they encourage you to say, you're beautiful. That, to look and say, I am who God has made me to be. The start of a day, you, you, can get, you can wake up, but when you get out of bed, you can say, life's horrible. It's a mess. Today's going to be a disaster. And you get prepared for your day according to what you think. 
But Jesus has a better plan than that. As you say, today I've had a phone call from God and he's asked me to be a part of his story. I'm going to put the right costumes on. I'm going to dress according to the opportunity. I'm going to dress like I've been called and commissioned by the king of the universe to be a part of his story. And you take the stage. So you wake up, you get up, and then you keep up. Just finally, there are all sorts of obstacles that will seek to stop you from living out the potential of your day. Seek to stop you from going. We've all got them. A few years ago, I was trying to lose just um, or get a bit fit, really, and and uh, there were some things that I had to overcome in order to help me to try and do that. And I managed to give up the chocolate. That wasn't so much of an issue for me. I managed to cut out the fizzy drinks, but there was one enemy that I had. There was one thing that every time I walk into the kitchen of my home, and if it was there, I would eat it. Pringles. You have Pringles in Guernsey? Do they say when you pop, you can't stop? Is that true? Yes, absolutely. And I'd go into my kitchen and I've got a thing about prawn cocktail Pringles. And I would go into the kitchen and I would think, I'll just have a few. I'd take the lid off, I'd open them up, I'd pop the top and I would just take a few out and I would, that plastic lid is more of a hopeful thing than a real help. Because I'd put it on and think, it'll keep them fresh for days. I've never tested it. I don't know whether it keeps them fresh for days because they've never been around that long once I've opened them. And every time I go in the kitchen, if they were, I'd open the cupboard and there's Pringles, oh, I'll just have a few. By the end of the day, they were completely gone. Thousand calories or so just in this tub of Pringles. I thought, I've got to sort this out. So I would think, uh, when I walk past the kitchen door, I would, kitchen cupboards, I think, no, I'm not going to have them, I'm not going to have them, I'm not going to have them. And then I hear this voice that say, just a few. And I think, yeah, I've had a hard day, just a few. That's all. Just a few. Lid back on. Maybe just a few more. And then they'd be gone. And I'd have this constant battle. I just couldn't seem to win. So I decided that if I was going to win this battle then I needed to draw the battle lines further back than the kitchen. I needed to make the battlefield the supermarket. So I decided that if I can stop Pringles getting in my trolley, they won't get in my home, which means they won't get in my belly. Good strategy. So I go to the supermarket, I get my trolley, and I begin to push the trolley up the aisles. The first lot of aisles in our supermarkets, it's just... Fruit and veg, all fine, no problem. Put a load of that in, that's good. Next section, dairy, not too bad. Don't have much of a problem with cheese and all that sort of stuff, so I just put a bit in. But now my palms begin to sweat. And I'm beginning to feel palpitations in my heart. So I'm thinking, I'm getting close to the snack aisle. And that's where the Pringles are. And I'm going to beat this, and I'm, I'm going to overcome this issue. So as I get closer and closer, I can you thinking, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm not going to be a slave to this issue. And I push my trolley. And as I get nearer the snack aisle, I've got a strategy. 
I push the trolley really fast. I'm almost like a delinquent running through the supermarket going, ah! I'm going to get past this snack aisle and it isn't going to beat me. And I get past the snack aisle and I'm like, yes, yes. Sorry. I'm just a bit excited. Yes, I've done it. And I relaxed. Wipe my sweaty palms. The heartbeat goes a bit slower. And I think I've done it. And just then, on the end of one of the aisles, a special promotion. Two packets of Pringles for pound fifty. Do you know that man on the cover of the Pringles packets, the one with the moustache? I can see him licking his fingers and menacingly doing that with his tash now as he's looking at me. And I can see him winking, going, got you, got you. And then there's this voice inside saying, Mark, you've had a hard week. It's just a few Pringles. Don't worry about it. Just put them in the trolley. It's a great deal. Stock up on them. You'll regret it if you don't take the opportunity. And I think, no! Because I knew that if those Pringles got in my trolley, they'd get in my home. And if they got in my home, they would get in me. And you see, if we're going to go and make a difference for Jesus, we've got to wake up. We've got to get up and dress appropriately. But we've got to keep up and make sure that nothing is holding us back. For you, it might not be Pringles. For you, it might be the internet. For you, it might be social media. It might be just, I'm a slave to this. Just uh, what so-and-so said. And every time you're on your own, you, you don't spend time on your own these days. You, you tweet in and you're on your Facebook. And even when you're in a conversation, my daughter brings some friends over from school. They're all sitting there on the sofa talking to each other on Facebook. I walk in and go, Girls, one, two, three, three of you, mouths is, oh yes. And they type in, maybe we should talk to each other. And it's like, it's got them. They're like a slave to it. If there was a chain coming from the back of it, it'd be pulling them around. Let nothing enslave you. Nothing. Let nothing, let no one enslave you, keep you from God's best. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've given us everything we need to wake up, to get up, and to keep up. Help us to be a people that respond to that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, we are Malachi. What do we have to say, Alex? To? To the listeners. Uh... Uh, listen more. Cheers for listening to the free download. Resonate 2012. Please feel free to listen to the other sessions. Jesus loves you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>